All wings report in. House dog, standing by. Mother goose, standing by. Lock S foils in attack position. Animal Squadron ready for battle. Hello there, and welcome back to the Animal Squadron podcast. I'm your host, House Dog, and with me, as always, my co-pilot, the person who takes care of me when I'm dying from some space illness, Mother Goose. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. Uh, it's going really well. I feel like it's going a little better on my end than it is yours. I'm sorry you're not feeling well. That's okay. You know, this podcast is important to me, and I, it's not like I'm dying. I'm just a little bit under the weather. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine come Monday, yeah. but I'm yeah. sure this weekend I'll just get lost of lots of rest. You'll be feeling drink, great for work. Yeah, I drink plenty of fluids. Exactly. Um, okay, so before we get into it, I just have two notes. Uh, so we mentioned it in our last podcast, but I've been watching through the Clone Wars again, and I actually uh, just watched the Cad Bane scene that we referenced in our last episode, the one where they're trying to uh, look into his mind. Oh, okay. I was confused there. Uh, Where was Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Mace Windu trying to uh, view into his mind, take control. They were trying to find a holocron that had locations of younglings. Mm, Yep. Um, And then also, uh, I found something out. We have... Uh, so something we mentioned on this podcast is we look at legends, or at least I look at legends as secondary canon. Um, so as long as it doesn't conflict with anything in Disney's new canon, I will still consider it canon, um, just to kind of fill some of the holes until Disney actually like fills those areas out themselves. Um, but something from Legends is: Do you remember the bald chick? from uh the prequel trilogy that was always with palpatine uh like white extravagant clothing yep 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 apparently she was like a member of like his entourage yeah i i don't remember her name um but apparently she um had a connection to the force and could use the force to manipulate people uh which i thought was really interesting but also her and palpatine had a romance and actually had a child in legends uh it was a three-eyed creature they named him triclops which uh um, a little weird glad they didn't keep that canon um but the reason i'm bringing this up is that potentially could still be ray's grandmother okay we don't we don't know for sure Uh, again this was legend stuff but no, I just want to know where you're going with all of this. I'm very confused. Maybe it's because I'm sick, but I'm just totally spacing on the connection you're trying to make here. Oh, no, it's just a, a lot of people have joked about um, Ray being Palpatine's granddaughter um, and, like, who would want to be with Palpatine? He didn't really look his best in the original trilogy. Um, but from Legends, we knew that he had a relationship with this uh, bald woman that was working for him, and they did have a child together. Um, now, I'm not saying this child was Ray's father because we clearly see him later on, and he's not a triclops. Um, but potentially, this might end up still being Ray's grandmother in this new Disney canon. What else do you have to tell me that I don't know about? 
that's that's really all i i just found out about it uh in this last week b- between us recording and i thought that's a really interesting thing and i just kind of wanted to bring it up okay i i guess i'm just completely lost on the whole thing but it's fine bald lady might be ray's grandmother potentially where that's did this come from need. no that, no that's what i need to know is where did this come from um i'm not exactly sure i um uh, is this more of your youtube watching yeah yeah, uh, it's something in Legends. I'm not sure if it was like a comic book or a novel, um, but it, mm. it was somewhere. Uh, again, this is not canon anymore, but we can take old canon and kind of maybe see where they might be going with the new canon. Well, I mean, with Book of Boba Fett, I, I think anything's on the table at this point. Anything's on the table, which we want. I mean, we'll keep the spoiler free, but they've just been killing it. Um I, I know we talked about it last time. I had not – in our last podcast, I had not watched it. But by the time of us recording, I've watched everything up to episode six. Which I think everyone should know that's only been in the span of about a week. To be honest, it was the span of a day. I um I got home from work one night, and I was going to build some Warhammer minis. Yes, I am that nerdy. And so I put it on while I was putting them together. And next thing I knew, I was halfway through episode five – and I went to bed, woke up, and watched the other half and episode six. So that's my life, everybody. Um, I am that guy. Are we ever going to talk about the second half of this movie? Well, let's talk about the second half of this mi- movie. Um, it starts with Ray again in the forest. And the only note I have here is I think it's really sweet that uh, BB-8 followed her uh, to check on her, make sure she's okay. Well, my first note happens about five seconds before Ray running off into the forest. Oh, okay, go ahead. And that's the fact that Finn, like everybody outside of the Rebel base, or not the Rebel base, sorry, I'm sick. I'm thinking of a different part of the movie. Um, About five seconds after everybody just sees this entire system of planets be destroyed, Um, Finn's first question after seeing this tragedy is, Where's Ray? Not like, oh my gosh, what just happened to these people? What are we going to do? Obviously, they're coming for us next. Is he only cares about where Ray is. Right. And I, I'm going to say this like three or four more times throughout this recording. They were building a romance between the two. I know it didn't pan out, but you cannot convince me that wasn't the direction they were originally going with their characters. No, I agree. 100%. I think that too. Okay, so... Um, do you have anything before the battle? Uh, just the fact that the First Order moves very quickly. They, they really do, yeah. That's, that's really all I had to, to think about there was, like, you see all the systems be destroyed and then boom, they're there to invade they the planet. They are there, yeah, yeah. Um, which, I mean, they probably had a group of people already on the way be- before they fired, but they do move very quickly because... They they had to have been there at most maybe what like twenty minutes before um, they arrived, and that spy notified the first order almost immediately. So they they mobilized and attacked very quickly. Right, and there's no way that um, Kylo Ren was that close because wasn't he on Star Killer Base or was he on the ship? I think he was on he was on a ship because there's a scene. There's a specific scene of him standing, watching the um, 
plasma laser bolt fire off into the New Republic. Mm. Um, but even then, no, I guess he would have been close if he if they could see the other systems be destroyed from the planet they were on. And he yeah. was watching from a ship right outside Starkiller Base. I guess it would be pretty close. Yeah. Um. So really, before we get into it, uh, I just wanted to point out that this is my favorite scene in the movie. Um. This one feels... It's just fun to watch. It's got good action, some good comedy. Um. And it feels the most individual. Like, this is a sequel scene to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I get yeah. I get what you're getting at now. Like, like, there's a lot of scenes you can point at and look and say that's that's basically what happened in the originals. But this scene feels like its own scene. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that. You're talking about whenever like the first order's coming down and then the the resistance shows up, right? Right. Yeah. Just this whole that whole fight here. Yeah, I was really sad to just see the castle start being destroyed like immediately. Yeah, yeah, and I actually had a note of that, just, like, um, how quickly the First Order was able to destroy it. Yeah, and it wasn't like it took a Star Destroyer or anything. It was literally just a couple of ties. Right, right, and uh, before that, before, well, I mean, they we hear them attacking, but before we actually get to see the destruction, um, Maz hands, um, I believe it's Han, it might have been Finn, the uh, lightsaber, uh, Anakin's lightsaber, and Han asks, how did you get this? And Maz says, a good question for another time. And I just wrote, oh, look, another mystery box. Which I know we find out in the comics, but... Um, and it's funny that you say that, because that's the exact... Th that Whenever I watched that today, I was like, there's that mystery box Elijah was talking about, and I hate it. Because, I mean, like we've said in the past, like, yeah, we're big fans, but it... I'm just, I'm not going to go look up as to how Maz got the lightsaber. Do you know? Because I don't know. It's, I I believe they've answered it somewhere in a comic or a book. Uh, I think vaguely she went to Cloud City and found it. Um, but it's just, I, I love, I love mystery boxes. But if you're going to set them up in a film, answer them in a film previous or in the next film or the film after that don't don't just expect fans to go and read all the content right and because i mean i think used to whenever there wasn't a whole lot of um star wars content out there like the the time that we grew up in and then of course like our parents generation whenever there wasn't any more star wars for a long time right um like you could do that if you wanted to, because what was out there was what was out there. It's not like now where, okay, you can go read these books that are all about the High Republic or all about Thrawn or, you know, just about all these different times in Star Wars history. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, I love that we have that ability now and that we're that lucky and fortunate to have all this stuff out there. But, I mean, I'm not going to go look up how she found the lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's that's a big problem with a lot of uh this trilogy because JJ Abrams and this is nothing against Ryan Johnson, uh, which we'll talk about this more when we talk about The Last Jedi, but uh JJ Abrams set up all these mystery boxes and Ryan Johnson didn't really want to answer them and so he didn't. Um 
And that's just kind of what happens when you have multiple directors. Mm. Yes, but no, because, I mean, you look at the original trilogy and... Right, they did have multiple directors, but at least they at least they all shared like, the same vision. Right, and J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson just had completely different visions. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with them having different visions. The problem was letting one of them direct the first one, a different one direct the second one, and then the first one to direct the third one. Right, because I would think, I think the second film in a trilogy is probably the most pivotal. Yeah, it is incredibly important. And I mean, the second one can't can't truly succeed like if the third one fails too, but the second one is just incredibly incredibly important. Mhm. I agree. I mean, you think of the Lord of the Rings and like if the two towers sucked, then the Return of the King probably wouldn't be as good as it is. I mean, right. the Return of the King is like my favorite out of all three. Same, same, but a lot of that depends on your enjoyment of the two towers. Which the two towers is awesome. Exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other um, really good trilogies. Um, for me, I don't know uh, if you've watched the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, but the first, I like that movie too. Um, I really think the third one failed. The first one was good the second one is probably my favorite it is fantastic the third one uh kind of just went a completely direct like the big theme of the film was hiccup and toothless being able to get through anything together and the third one was just like oh sorry we can't get through this together guess we gotta split up um is that the one where he finds his mom uh that's the third one the one where he finds his mom is two. Oh. Maybe I haven't seen the third one then. It's okay. It it I think it's a good film. I really do. I just wait. That's where him and Night for the or Toothless go their separate ways, right? Yeah, the third one. He has like little babies. Mm-hmm. I don't remember all of it. Wait, are there pirates in that one? I think they're still Vikings, but they're trying to kill off all the dragons or kill or capture. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, they put them in like cages and stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. On boats, um, but that I'm just uh, I bring that up to point out that like um, having a consistent vision for a trilogy is just incredibly important, or you can have a finale that just doesn't feel satisfying. Like I just thought of this trilogy as well because you brought up How to Train Your Dragon, um, Toy Story Two. I enjoyed Toy Story Two. I love Toy Story Two. Toy Story Three, not as much. Okay, I'm about to get some slack. I've never been a big fan of the Toy Story series as a whole. I mean, I think they should have... I will give... Three has some good moments. Three does yes. have good moment, moments, yes. But they, they should have just stopped after two. Yeah. And I'm, I'm calling it... There's going to be a five. There, there's going to be. No. It may not be anytime soon, but I, I'm calling it either five or a remake. Um, should we talk about some Star Wars though? Probably. Okay. And what do you, so? I think one of the other like ideas that they made in this film is Jedi Finn, which you yes. you were right. Finn gets the lightsaber, not Han. He's the one that picks it. Han's just in the background asking where Maz got it. Right, because later Finn makes a line 
where he's trying to go find Ray, and he's like, I need a weapon, and Maz says, you have one. Yeah, and he looks at the lightsaber. Um, no, you're completely right. One of my next note was uh, Finn was one of the biggest characters hurt by the soft reboot. He could have been so much more. Um, so they set up Jedi Finn, but they decided that in this soft reboot nature, I know, I'm sorry, I say it a lot, um, Ray was going to be Luke. And so that left Finn to kind of just be sometimes Han, sometimes Leia. They switch around a little bit, but um, I don't know. It just makes me really sad because I really like Finn as a character, and I really wanted to see him as a Jedi. I mean, you could make the case that Finn is all three of our heroes. Yeah, and um, that's what I like. Like, I know I've talked about it being a soft reboot, and there are certain moments where it's very clear, like, Rey, Rey is Luke, Finn is Han... Poe is Leia, but they really kind of switch around sometimes, and that I, I I do appreciate that. It makes them feel a little more individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think before that scene, I just had once uh, one other note. Um, we see stormtroopers attacking Ray, and uh, she's got some really good aim. I also thought it was funny she left the safety on at first. Right, because whenever Han originally gives her the gun, he's like, you know how to use this, right? And she's like, yeah, it's, you point and shoot. Right, right. And he, he tells her, he's like, well, there's a little more to it than that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just, I thought it was funny. Um, I have a question for you, my friend. I probably have an answer. Why does the First Order have lightsaber-resistant weapons, or lightsaber-resistant weapons, if there haven't been any Jedi... For at least 20 years. Yeah, yeah, I... Huh. I mean, that's a really hard question. Um, I do really like the traitor scene. I think I really, really love this fight scene. It's one of my favorite fight scenes in the sequel trilogy uh, between Finn and what did the fan base dub him? TR... Uh, TR8R something... Yeah, it spells out traitor like a license plate, but yeah. Yeah. Um I think it might have been precaution in case Luke didn't give up and Luke went and restarted a third Jedi temple. Um cuz they I don't think they really knew. All they knew was Luke disappeared. They didn't have the knowledge that he gave up. Yeah. And you mentioned the time frame. That is plenty of time for Luke to have at least got a couple more students and have them come back as fully trained Jedi. I get they didn't, but um, as far as the First Order knew, that was completely a possibility. I, I, it was just a, a thought that I had because I mean, if you think back to the Clone Wars, like of course it made sense that the droids had you know lightsaber resistance weapons and other species had lightsaber resistance weapons because they were Jedi around, but, right? Right. It, I just thought of it because I was like, I mean, it's been a while since there's been a great number of Jedi around. Yeah. Why? Why have that sort of stuff? And, and I'm then, not. I'm not entirely sure on timeline. Um, when the First Order started like appearing and attacking places in the galaxy versus when the Second Jedi Purge happened. Um, but they might have just pre 
like pre had those weapons ready for when they actually did invade in case they did run into Jedi. It's quite possible. Um, I really appreciate how um they're they're they are losing this fight before the resistance shows up. Um, Maz, Han, Chewie, the people there, they're doing the best they can, but the first order is just kicking their butts. Yeah. Um, no, my next question that I had for you is how you felt about, um, the X-Wings and how they look a little, they're, they're still very much the same, but they're, they've changed them a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's very similar to what I said about, um, the TIE fighters. It, it was nice seeing them one in like modern graphics, but it, it didn't feel off. It just kind of felt like a, a natural progression. Um, I actually feel like based on the time frame between like the ending of episode six in universe versus the beginning of uh, episode what is it, seven that they should have maybe changed a little more because what is it like 30 years right between the two um, it kind of felt like maybe they were outdated like they're using vintage tech um but it was still really cool to see x-wings i would have to disagree with you on that one i don't think it looks like they're using vintage tech i think it looks very like with the with the tie fighters i think it looks very um like industrial and then yeah. i think with the x-wings i think they kind of um, for some reason, like, it looks like they made them look a little bit more sleek. Like, they don't yeah. look as bulky as the old X-Wings. No, I th I think you're right on that. Um, no, I, I like them. Uh, I, uh, I really think the Resistance coming to save the day was awesome. It was great to see, like, first time I watched it, that confirmation that Poe was still alive, I was really happy. Yeah, and the fact that Poe is actually, like, a good pilot. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really, uh, I like Finn's line where he says, that's one hell of a pilot, right? Yeah, that's actually what I wrote down. That's why I said that. I know I mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I still think it's really funny that uh, people in the Star Wars universe have a concept of our, of our like, judo-Christian uh, version of hell. Right, I think we talked about that, what, in Empire? I think so, because Han... Han Han says something similar. He he says hell somewhere. Um, I just thought it was funny. I enjoy that that's what you got out of that. Because that means somewhere, not that it's big or anything, but somewhere within the Star Wars universe, there are Christians. And I think that's hilarious. It's a big galaxy, my friend. They, they've got to be there somewhere, right? Big galaxy. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, I don't have anything till Rey and Ren fight. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, I think it's really funny that Kylo Ren says, um, you're, you're the girl I've heard so much about. And he's heard, what, like two things? Like, he probably heard that uh, BB-8 escaped with the droid, and then uh, later we see a stormtrooper mention that the droid was spotted in the forest with a girl. And th that's really it. And so... When I first watched that scene, um, before we knew 
everything that would happen in eight and nine, that line felt so important because I felt like uh, Kylo Ren had other other knowledge on Rey. But now that we know what happened in eight and nine, it just feels like oh, it, it just feels weird that he says it. I think it's maybe just to establish a like connection between these two characters. No, I I I agree because of. Like you said, with the knowledge that we have now of 8 and 9, of obviously what J.J. Abrams was going to do in 9. Right, right. Which I don't I, I don't think he had that planned out. Because like, I know the whole Palpatine twist, they didn't know. They hadn't figured that out until they started working on 9. But the love interest between Rey and Kylo, I don't, I don't think they had plans for it at this point. Especially seeing how they treated Finn and Rey. I think... They did, because another one of J.J.'s biggest calling cards is misdirection. Yeah, actually, you know what? That That is a really good point. Um, so why not present these perfect, these two, not perfect, but these two characters that seem perfect for each other, and then not go that route? Yeah, okay, I, I'll, I'll give you that one. That That makes sense. I hadn't thought about that before. My thing about Kylo is that this is... This man never seems to have a plan B. No. No, not at all. He just takes Ray and completely forgets about BB-8, who they know has a copy right. of in the his... map. Like, 100%, without a doubt, has a copy of it. In his defense, he could tell that um, Ray had seen the map, at least. Um, so he probably just thought, hey, I'll just get it from her mind. Not knowing right. who she was. Right, but you can, like, if I was, you know, some force in the galaxy with this army behind me, I would probably want to have a plan B. No, I, I agree. And I, fe- I feel like that kind of was his plan B, because he came to get the droid. Yeah, but he just kept Ray. so wouldn't you take her and take the thing that you originally came for? Yeah, no, I agree. He should have he should have kept looking for the droid. And given like the resistance did show up and like kind of start kicking their butts. But you're telling me that he couldn't call out like a dreadnought or something to come give them backup? Right, right. I mean, it's Kylo Ren if he says we need more troops here. They're going to send more troops. Exactly. Maybe we're analyzing this too hard. But if that had happened, then the Resistance would have died there, and we wouldn't have gotten the rest of the films. Hey, isn't it you that says that the Jedi should have died? It is me. It is. And I cannot wait to get into that conversation when we get to The Last Jedi. I can't either, because I think we'll have very different ideas. We will, and I, I th- uh, it's something I'm excited to just talk about and discuss with you, but I also... Th- think it's something our listeners are going to enjoy listening to yeah let's talk about an old friend let's talk about an old friend c3po i'm so glad that you said that (laughs) because i was worried that you wouldn't i literally wrote c3po a cock block i wrote o3po like at first whenever i watched this today even i was kind of upset it like okay, this is how they bring up they bring back three PO, and then I I thought about it for a second and I was like, why am I mad about this? This is 
3PO. This is exactly how he acts. Yeah. I think no. a lot of times, like, whenever I watch the sequel film or the sequel films, I get so, I wouldn't say like gatekeeper, but like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, I like really hold John Favreau and Dave Filoni, especially like on this pedestal now because yeah. of Mandalorian and now because of Boba Fett too. And of course the Clone Wars and right. Bad Batch that I'm just like, I've like replaced George Lucas with Dave Filoni and like I hold him in such high regard that anybody that's not them and makes Star Wars is just second tier to me. Yeah. Which I and mean, I don't think that's very fair. It I, I don't. I don't think so either. Uh, I come at it uh, at a very similar view. Um, I, I'll just be honest. Like Dave Filoni should have been in charge of Star Wars from the start. As soon as Disney got it, he should have been the CEO, made CEO of Lucasfilms. He is George Lucas's true successor. But you're completely right. That doesn't mean that other people making Star Wars are bad or wrong or inadequate they just yeah no sorry no it looked like i was gonna say something really important there but and i guess i i do have something like if i were to gatekeep that we wouldn't have amazing episodes and producers like rice dallas howard who has made one of the best episodes of mandalorian and one of the best episodes of boba fett yeah i she is killing it i can't wait to see uh what else she does with star wars in the future yeah no she She's amazing at, like, really um, emotional storytelling. She yeah. does very well with that. And um, to get back to my original thought about 3PO is they they gave us 3PO exactly how we left 3PO. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that because C-3PO is a droid. Yeah, it's not like he's going to change. He's always the same. He's He's not a person who can you know, have these, um, you know, valleys and mountaintops of who they are as a person. A droid's exactly. always going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, which brings up the argument, if they don't change, do they really have souls? I would say no, because he's just following his programming. He's always the same. He's always going to be the same 3PO as we see him. I know, yeah. Uh, okay, and then I think my last note on C-3PO, though, is a red, his red arm. Oh, look, another small, but still another mystery box that gets answered in a comic. Also, the um, Force Awakens Lego game. It's a, it's a bonus level that they threw in there. Okay, cool, yeah. I, um, I knew about the comic, but I didn't know about the bonus game. That's really cool. I really yeah, need to play a that. It's a bonus level that I played. That's the only reason I knew about it. Um, that's really cool. I uh, I like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I really, I really love when uh, these companies will make content that expands on the films. Um, that is great. But it's when you, it's when you specifically build these really interesting questions and mystery boxes that the audience are just like desperate to know the answer to. And then you don't answer it in the film where they're primarily going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, the arm is not as important right, as right. It's the just lightsaber, but I see what you get. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. 
Um, My next note is about uh, Finn and Poe's obvious bromance. I I think I've got uh, a couple things before that. Um, Go ahead. Really, uh, it was just really nice to see Leia again. I was so excited to see her in the film. And um, I mentioned this with Han, and I'll mention it here again. Leia feels it's frustrating seeing Leia because I feel like she is, um, she's exactly the same as she was in uh, A New Hope, and that we kind of lose that character development. But she feels more like a evolution of Leia than Han does of Han, and I think that their scenes together feel the most unique. Their scenes where they're talking to each other feel the most like oh, look, Han and Leia have actually evolved as characters. No, I will, yeah. No, their scenes together are very dynamic. They're like, the scenes that Han and Leia have together feel a lot like the original trilogy in the fact that in the original trilogy, whenever Han and Leia had a scene together, it was like watching a play. Yeah. They were very serious. They were very very, um, dramatic like it felt like more of a play than it did of a movie or you know something like that like all of the drama that you expect from a theater show was there in between Han and Leia on on the screen and JJ Abrams did a very good uh did a very good job of that in this film yeah and i think it it helped um with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, they had a ton of experience acting together already. Yeah, that relationship is always going to be there. And um, I really love whenever they we we see these two characters see each other again for however amount of time it has been since they've left seeing each other. We don't know. And um, the first thing that Han tells her is, you know, that she's changed her hair and she goes, you know, same jacket and he's like no no this is a new jacket <laughs> yeah but it looks that. pretty similar yeah no i do yeah. too and um like i am all for a new trilogy like passing the mantle and the old characters not being the main characters but i really wish we'd gotten more of that more of han and leia um uh more of them together uh i and obviously, we would never have seen this based on the direction they went with the film, but I really wanted to see all three of them together and interacting. Um, and I'm sad I'm sad we never got that. Yeah, but... And I'm telling you, man, I think The Last Jedi is... I think it, it explains a great deal of things. And even then with... Um, it, it gets explained later about why you view these characters as regress as regressing to the last time we saw them. And it's something that Han says later. Yes. Um, I actually, I have a note on that as well. Cool. Um, okay. So let's keep trucking. Let's keep trucking. Um, were those Jawas? We, um, I think it's when Poe lands and he's getting out. We see two creatures walking by his ship. Maybe not both, but I'm pretty sure at least one of them was a Jawa. I could not tell you. I don't know. I always focus on Poe talking to BB-8. Yeah, we see those creatures a couple times in the background throughout the film, but as far as I know, this is the first time we see them. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure at least one was a Jawa, but I might be wrong. They very well could be. They're the right height. One of them was in, like, 
uh, resistance gear and a helmet, so you couldn't really tell. But the other one, I think, also had some resistance gear on, but I think it had that traditional Jabba cloak. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, so you wanted to talk about the bromance, uh, Finn and Poe. I'm sorry, I went on a long tangent. No, it's okay, we both did. Yeah, Finn and Poe's bromance. Very, very, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accentuated in this film? Yeah, yeah, I, um... I it think... almost feels like a little bit... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Like, no, that's okay. It almost feels, like, forced a little bit, like... Like, they were trying to make these two buddies so hard in this very, like, short amount of time that they share together on screen in this film. Right, right. Which, I know, um, I know it's hard to make these characters feel like they have a connection when you only have a little bit of time with them. But I definitely think they needed more time to develop that, um, relationship a little bit. And I think we can kind of see a little bit, uh, of that with, um... Ray and Finn, we've mentioned a couple times that it, it's very clear it seems like they have feelings for each other, but they haven't really known each other that long. Um, like, I'm sorry, if I knew a girl that I had a crush on, as long as Finn know, uh, knew Ray, I would not hug her like that. I It just feels a little rushed. And it's the same thing with Poe and Finn. They, they went through this... Um, you know, escaping the uh, the ship together, but that that's really it. Um, they needed more time to develop that relationship. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not believable. Like it is. Like they shared this traumatic event together. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not completely off, but but even then, it it feels a bit rushed. And if there's right, one thing right. I could say about this trilogy as a whole is everything feels very rushed. Yeah, and so, okay, I'm going to talk about anime for a minute. <laughs> Go um, ahead. Right now, Attack on Titan, uh, the final season is airing. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but the very first episode was called To You in 2000 Years. Tomorrow's, or, yeah, tomorrow's episode that's about to air... Uh, based on when we are recording this film, it'll or, or not film, but this podcast, it'll already be out by the time we post it. Um, but it is called "From You Two Thousand Years Ago." This is season one versus season four. This is chapter one of the manga versus, I believe, chapter one hundred and twenty-two of the manga. This author had everything planned out. Maybe not everything, but he had stuff planned out from the very beginning. And it is beautiful. It is such a fantastic series. And there are so many moments while rewatching through the series, you can go, the author knew exactly where he was going while he was writing that. And I, I just, I can't say that with the sequel trilogy. They went film by film and you can really tell. Yeah, in certain moments you really can. And like, they, they had a little bit of a problem with that with the original trilogy as well. Um... And I think the prequel trilogy did it best because George Lucas went in knowing, okay, by the end, Anakin has to be Darth Vader. And so there was that clear path. Yeah. And maybe uh, that was what, you know, this film didn't have is a, is a clear path. Right. Cause it, like, it could have ended so many different ways. Right. And I actually, uh, I've got some stuff in ter um, for the ending I'm really excited to talk about. Um, 
but like they they've mentioned it in interviews the whole palpatine thing didn't come around until they started uh pre-production for for the rise of skywalker and like even if they kept the palpatine route this trilogy i feel like would have been so much better if they at least knew big bad end of the trilogy is going to be palpatine yeah maybe things could have been a little more refined um my next note is about a uh, chewy oh yeah go ahead so it's after the the finn and poe bromance scene and it's chewbacca getting his arm checked out that he got shot yeah in like the first yeah. half of the film and he's with the doctor lady and she's just like chewie's explaining the adventure so far to her and she's like wow that that must have been so scary you're you're so brave. And I, I really love that scene with Chewie. I, I do too, yeah. As is, is unimportant as it might seem, like it was important to me because, and I think it was, it was important excuse to me, me too, I, yeah. I, th I think it was important to a lot of people that like have missed those characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I don't, have anything until the don't say the death star line uh mine's right before that which is c-3po's line of princesses and yeah. the way he says it i love it it was like um it reminds me of empire and han and leia's dialogue in empire and how it's almost like 3po is being han yeah in this scene yeah um it really is. It's funny. It just feels like it feels like Star Wars. It, well, it feels like even though three PO is the same character as when he when we left him, he's also progressed a little bit. Right, right. He's a little more confident. Yeah, it's like he's 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 grown with the times. Yeah. So go um, ahead to your thing. No, I just I think it's really funny. Um, Leia's line where Han's trying to help and um she's telling him he can't he says i've like i've been useful i don't remember exactly how it goes but then she ends by saying don't say the death star in reference to things he's done to help out and i just i find that hilarious it makes me laugh every time right kind of like that's the only leg he really had to stand on right right it's not like he was the father of her child her child yeah and that brings us to um han and leia's whole dialogue about ben yeah yeah and um you've mentioned that you know this trilogy is a soft reboot and that this film is a soft reboot and one of the ways that i think it kind of came off not really like lame but kind of cool is that leia uh mirrors luke a lot in this scene but the luke that we see in um uh jedi yeah yeah of where leia's telling han like if you see our boy like you bring him back like you bring our son back home to us and right she she even says it that there's still good in him and she sees the light which is exactly what luke said right and um neither of them neither of them gave up on him and i i really love that um han definitely <sighs> gave up are you talking about leia and han because Han definitely gave up on, on Ben. The only reason he did it was for her. I don't know. I mean, I think he was, I think he was very clearly depressed. Uh, so I mentioned it 
um, in uh, our last episode, and you mentioned it earlier today, they explain uh, in this scene why the characters regress. They're talking about Han or Ben leaving and them losing him, and uh, Han says, I went back to the only thing I knew, and Leia says, I did too. Um, so we can talk about uh, trauma here and trauma responses and... Um, it's very easy for people when they go through trauma to revert back to an elder version of themselves, either um, before their trauma or uh, some people will um, – they kind of – now, I'm not a psychologist. Please don't take uh, everything I say as, like, true or final. But um, from what I know, a lot of people will either return back to an older version or they will just stop maturing when they go through trauma and they're kind of at that maturity level for most of their life unless they get help uh and we really get to see that with han and leia and i i know i've talked about them being um just older versions of who they were in a new hope but this line does make me feel a lot better about it because they're going through a trauma response they essentially lost their son well, they both admit that they, they're they both at fault and that what happened was really nobody's fault here. I mean, Han right, still obviously very clearly blames himself, blames himself for what happened. Right. Um, and so I bring this up. he thinks that, you know, Anakin was the whole problem here. Right. He had well, not even Anakin, just Vader. But just Vader right. in general. And Leia sees it a different way. But it's just... I think that line is very important that they both went back to doing what they were good at. Yeah. And and I think it it makes a really big argument against um your opinion. Not that I'm trying to argue with your no, opinion. No, no, I I completely agree with what you're saying. Um it with what they presented, it makes sense why they did. Um but the fact that it took until the second half of the film to reconcile that fact. Right, exactly. Is is what the not necessarily like problem but that's the that's the rub is that it takes you an entire half of the film to get to this point where it's like okay now i see what you were doing which you can you can look at it and say oh that was a really good choice as a director to make people engaged for that long but as a viewer you can say man the first half of this movie sucked (laughs) um you just remade a new hope you right. have no skill, and a lot of people would just turn the TV off at that point. Yeah, and I, I don't think the film sucks, just to be clear, but um, I, I really think it's not even, like, a lot of these characters, I, I don't necessarily have an issue with the characters, it's the overarching story that I feel like hurts the characters. Like, um, bringing back the uh, First Order in place of the Empire, bringing back the Resistance in place of... The rebellion of course you're gonna have leia leading the resistance as she led the rebellion like that's the direction they're gonna go but um and so they they were casualties of the direction of the film not their characters being bad themselves does that make sense yeah the characters were always great it's just the the people who it's like whenever you're a kid and you have action figures and you take these action figures on your own adventure yeah yeah and again there's this these films are not bad the 
uh, people who made them are not horrible. You're not a fake Star Wars fan if you enjoy them. I just personally have an issue with the overarching story, and I feel like a lot of characters suffer, but uh, I don't want to gatekeep Star Wars. That's not who I am. That's not how who we are on this podcast. Um, but I did want to circle back to your line about Han giving, giving up on Ben. I, I really, even if it comes across that way, I think there was always a part of Han that was hoping Ben was still in there and hoping there's a way to get him back because we see that very clearly later in the film, which we can talk about later. But um, I, I don't think he's completely given up on Ben. No, I think he's just doing the Han thing where it's easier to cut and run and say, this is bigger than me as a person that I can yeah. handle. So yeah. I might as well just cut and run and me and Chewie will go back to doing the only thing we know how to do. Right. Which I think it's really funny because like Chewie's, Chewie's close to 250, 300 years old at this point. Um, Chewie fought in the Civil War. Chewie has connections with the Jedi like... I don't think I think Chewie does the whole smuggling thing because Chewie loves Han. Well, yeah, because he owes his life debt to Han. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot more that Chewie could be doing, um, but I think it's awesome that he sticks by Han's side. Those life debts, man. Those life debts. It's it's hard when you can live for such a long time. Are you uh, ready for an uh, interrogation scene? Hmm. I have a note here that says, a problem with the original sequel trilogy, the conflict feels small. And I'm not sure exactly what I was referencing here. Um, but I think, I think, like, com oh, yeah, I'm sorry. This is my problem with the original and the sequel trilogy, not just the sequel. Um, and I think this is something that the prequels do really well, is it just, it's this almost galaxy-wide conflict at least in the prequels uh and it feels it feels like a big conflict it feels like a lot of people are involved and the original and the sequel they just feel like much smaller conflicts okay but is that because you've had seven seasons of clone wars okay ex sorry excluding excluding the clone wars uh, the clone wars do help but um I still feel like the prequel handles it better. And I think my phrasing was bad. I shouldn't have wrote a problem with the original sequel or with the original and sequel trilogy because it's not necessarily a problem. It's the prequel is a galactic civil war. The original and sequel trilogies are a small group of fighters fighting this larger either the Empire or the um, First Order, which wasn't as big as the Empire, but still was incredibly powerful so i my phrasing was wrong um, you know what i think just... a, lo a lot of it has to do with though yeah is the senate scenes i think yeah. that's why you think that about the sequels or about the prequels excuse me is that the fact that we had those scenes of the senate and we saw these different planets represented that's that is a really good point and again a problem was the wrong way to phrase it but you're you're completely right the senate scenes just make it feel so much bigger it makes the galaxy feel a lot more lived in right because you can visually see okay we have this giant room full of right. senators from planets that we may not know the names of we may not know who these people are but, but you can there. visually see yeah them there no you so that, that may be right. it 
Uh, okay, interrogation scene. I thought it was interesting that um, Ben chooses to take off his mask. Because he that, definitely didn't have to. That literally was my first note, too. Yeah, I was shocked the first time I saw it when he took his helmet off. Um, and he's and like then, this handsome guy. Because that's yeah. definitely not what Ray thought he was. Right, and I don't think it's what a lot of the fan base thought he was. I, um, I think it's really funny because I very distinctly remember uh, when the episode 7 came out, a lot of people were referring to him as really ugly and that they wished he'd just kept his mask on. But by the end of the trilogy, people thought he was really hot. I just thought it was funny, the slow transition. It was because of episode 8 and Ben Swolo. Ben Swolo, let's go. Gotta get them gains. Um, okay, before we move on from him taking his helmet off, were those Darth Vader's ashes that he puts his helmet in? You know, I had the same thought myself, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure either, because they were very clearly ashes. Yeah. But were they the remains? Were they just a fire pit? Um, and if they were his ashes, how did he get them? Well, it would make sense that he had the ashes because he has the helmet. Right. He. Oh, right. He went. He clearly went to wherever Anakin was burned, which was Endor. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's the last place that we know that. Vader's body was because that's where Luke burns him in the forest right. of Endor. But it's funny that he was able to find the helmet and find the ashes. And I wonder, I wonder if Luke could held on to those. Uh, I doubt a lot, it. A lot of people now will keep uh, relatives' ashes, um, you know, just to remember them by. Because um, like if if they just left ashes on the forest floor. They would have blown away. The helmet might have still been there, but somebody had to have scooped up at least some of the ashes. Well, I mean, he made like that great big pyre that like you associate with, you know, a Jedi burial, which is what Luke gave right. him. Right. And so I don't think he gave any. I, I don't think Luke kept any. I think that was why he did it was so that he could say goodbye to that part of his father. And then whenever he sees Anakin... At the end of Return of the Jedi as a Force ghost, and he sees him as Anakin and not Darth Vader. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I mean, because it it gets explored in um the Battlefront Two video game at the end that you know Kylo Ren was searching for the map to Luke Skywalker, and that the. Uh, First Order was using all of the Empire's old records and stuff like that to find these artifacts from uh, the Republic era. Yeah. And he even mentions it in uh, the film, Kylo Ren does, about how they used the Empire's records to find stuff. Yeah. Well, that's why they have the other half of the map. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um. Overall, I felt like the scene was just a little uncomfortable, and I think it was meant to be. But it wasn't uncomfortable in, like, that good way. It was, like, it was odd uncomfortable. Like, it made me feel awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, the mind probe thing, and then the Uno reverse card mind probe, it it didn't work for me. Yeah, it, it really, it really didn't. It just, it felt, 
It gave me the ick. It gave me the ick. Well, it's another like another way that I felt that the story was rushed. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that now Ray is somehow using the mind probe on him? Right. Which I right. mean, I guess if you look at the ninth film, it makes more sense. Right. But we, you know, uh, people have a natural atonement with the Force. Uh, we see in episode um, one that, I mean, um, Anakin is using a pod racer efficiently against these adult racers and wins. Um, which we see kind of the atonement to the Force. And I think the difference, though, is that he was just kind of feeling the Force Within these next couple scenes, we actually see Ray use the Force uh, in reference to the um, the mind probe and the Jedi mind trick, uh, and when she'd had no official training. Yeah, especially like the stormtrooper, or whatever. He's a stormtrooper. They're weak-willed, weak-minded. Not all of them, but uh, like the we clearly see in Episode Four uh, and here in Episode Seven, the Jedi mind trick, but. Um, Kylo Ren has actual training, and to be overpowered here, just it does feel a little weird. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's the the point they were trying to make in Episode Nine, and we'll we'll really get there whenever we get there. Right, but. right. Uh, and I think the last thing I have for this scene is just like it's weird growing up because I remember watching Episode Seven uh, when it first came out and thinking that Kylo Ren looked little older than i was expecting him to but now as like an, a full-grown adult looking back he looks so young especially compared to the next couple films yeah adam driver does look young in this film yeah i thought the same thing today too i was like that just does not look like adam driver yeah um it, i don't know it's just a little funny thing as you know we grew up people who looked older look younger when they're you know captured in a film um, well, you got to think that was almost a decade ago for us. Don't say that. Don't. You're not going. Don't. I'm sorry. No, it was not. There was not a decade. I refuse to believe. I refuse. Um, didn't happen. Uh, L get ratioed nerd. Um, y equals MX plus B. Exactly. Um, okay. I. Uh, my next notes group of notes is on when he goes to meet Snoke. Uh, if you've got anything else here in this scene, uh, just the fact that the stormtrooper that she uses the uh, Jedi mind trick on is Daniel Craig. Yeah, uh, I think that's a little later within within the film. Uh, I think I made a note of it. Yeah, that's that is a scene. Oh wait, no, you're right. Yeah, okay. Um. So just a little before that, uh, we get Snoke and oh frick, what's his name? The redheaded guy, Admiral Hux. General Hux. Yes. Okay. Um, we see him discussing how Ren failed. Failed. Ren shows up. Um, and we see a really important line here that I don't think I've ever caught before. Hux says they tracked the reconnaissance ship back to the Resistance base. Um, yeah, in the Alenium system. That's how they come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think I ever caught that, uh, but it you know adds context to the film, and I appreciate that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, for as many questions as they left, they did explain, like, okay, this is how they're finding out where they are. Right, right. And then um, we got the first little hint of a storyline I, I really would have liked to have seen more of, but uh, Darkseid Ray, uh, we get Snoke telling Ren that he needs to bring her to him. Um, I think I think that would have been an interesting route to go as well as if, like, slowly throughout the trilogy, which is hard to do in a trilogy of films, but having Rey return to the dark side and Kylo Ren return to the... I guess not return to the dark side, but go to the dark side and Kylo Ren return to the light could have been interesting. Um, again, these are just kind of thoughts that I had when I was watching through the films the first time before we knew the directions they were going. Yeah, and I hate to bring it up again, but like, I mean, you look at Lord of the Rings and their trilogy. I'm I'm not talking about The Hobbit. I'm talking about The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I have my own problems with The Hobbit. But I mean, you look at The Lord of the Rings and you think about any of those characters. And even if you had read the books, like if you just look at the movies solely by themselves, it's not hard to buy any of those characters' transitions from film to film to film. Right, right. It feels natural. Right. And, I mean, in defense of uh, this sequel trilogy, The Lord of the Rings was a beloved novel series that had been out for years. Uh, it was Peter Jackson, right? He yeah. just did a fantastic job in adapting the series. And yeah, it's not one-to-one, but it's really good, and the characters feel real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think a little more time with it, uh, a little more pre-production, and uh, this film and the whole trilogy could have really benefit o- benefited overall. But do you think it'll be like how people um, how people now are finally coming around to the prequel trilogy? Like people who aren't our age that grew up with the prequels, like people are finally now coming around to the prequels. Do you think, think that's so. how the sequel trilogy will be viewed, like by our kids? P- possibly, uh, and I think overall, yes. Um, I think that um, the prequels and the sequels suffered from different issues, um, but I think the end result—you're probably right—will be the same. Um, people will look back. People who grew up with the sequels are going to love them, and. You know, we've mentioned this the through the throughout this podcast before, but um a lot of people were loved the prequels but were afraid to talk about it because people made such a big deal about how bad the prequels were. Uh like a common phrase that was passed around was like, uh, I didn't hate the prequels until the internet told me to. Um and so that's something I really hope we as a community learn from and like accept people who really love the sequel trilogy i um one of my best friends from high school uh someone i really want to get on this podcast he'd never watched um star wars before and one of our other friends had been trying to get him to watch star wars for years and then um this friend who'd never seen star wars before him and i ended up being roommates and I was that final push to kind of get him to watch the uh, films. And he watched one through eight. And then he just had enough time to watch episode nine in theaters before it stopped airing. And he loves the sequel trilogy. It's his favorite trilogy out of all of them. Um, and so I, th- I think you're right. I think 
there are people who love the sequel trilogy and as time goes on more people will uh grow to love it and i went on a really long tangent there i apologize that's been the theme of this episode it's just really long tangents that have nothing to do with the second half of this film yeah I'm i'm so sorry i just um him and i were actually talking about it earlier today and like i'm i'm really happy that there are people out there who love the sequel trilogy yeah i think there needs to be yeah yeah uh, okay. okay, so I wrote a note here that I have no idea what I'm talking about, so maybe you can decipher it for me. Yeah, shoot. I just wrote that I love Old Han and Leia. Old Han. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I've got a little bit before that. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, so go ahead and continue because you can tell me what I was saying. Okay, yeah. Um, it's it's a little later. I think when they're talking about the Death Star, I I have a note for that as well. Uh, I wrote. Han and Le- Leia's Lena's Leia's scenes together feel the most authentic, like time has passed. Um, but I've got a few notes. Uh, first, uh, I appreciate that we didn't s- during the mind trick scene. I appreciate that we didn't see the hand movement because it feels a little more real. I think if they'd shown her hands and she didn't move it, fans would have been all way more like, "Ah, that shouldn't be. That's not how the Force works. How is she doing that?" Uh, and I think they knew. I think they knew not to show her hands during that scene because fans would get pissy. I disagree. I think with the hand movement, it would have been more authentic. Oh, no. I, I think so. But I don't think she did the hand movement. And that's that's why I'm bringing this up. Um, no, she didn't. She did it completely with her mind. And you can tell that from her facial expressions. Her facial expressions and then like her shoulders don't move at all. Um, and so we can see, like, oh, it doesn't seem like she actually did, but we didn't see her hands, so we can't say for sure. Um, and then I really don't like, uh, I don't think Kylo Ren's, like, whole suit works without the hood. Like, the helm, we see a scene of him walking, um, and he has the hood down, or he's not wearing the robe, I can't remember, and... So it's just him and the helmet. I yeah. don't think it looks good, especially with like about. how large we know his hair is. Um, but with with the hood up, I think it looks really cool. Um, no, I like I like his costume with the hood a lot more than without it. With the helmet, it just looks weird. Yeah, for some just, reason, I, I think it was the cape with Vader that like really pulled everything together. Yeah, like, if I you agree. think of Vader without his cape, it's very weird. It it is especially like those like wide shoulder blades, right? The pauldrons that he has. Yeah, and I'm trying to look at my notes because I know I wrote that down somewhere, but I just can't seem to find it. Okay, so in terms of the scene you're talking about, we get the discussion of Star Killer Base, and something I thought was really cool is they referred to it as a hyper light speed weapon. I think I'm talking about. Han and Leia talking after this about like before they all go off. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think I had anything to talk about the like war room meeting. It was all pretty. It was the standard Star Wars. This is what we have to go do scene for me. So yeah, and you're you're completely right. I just have a couple notes. So the hyper light speed weapon I thought was a really cool way to describe it. Um, but then I wrote um, they very. I knew 
not I knew. I think they knew people were going to compare Starkiller Base and the Death Star. So they literally wrote in a line about it. Somebody says, um, it's another Death Star. And then they have Poe say, um, I, I wish that was the case. Uh, and then they compare the sizes. And I really feel like that was aimed at fans who were going to make the comparison. But at the end of the day, they're both planet-killing weapons. Like, Yeah, but Starkiller Base is a planet. It just has it, the tech built into it. It is a planet, and it also eats it eats a sun. So it is a lot more powerful. They're right. It It isn't... Is it, it more powerful exactly than a Kyber Star, Crystal? Or is it the fact that they hadn't gotten to the technology yet? Maybe both. I mean, I think if we threw a Kyber Crystal into the sun, it probably would burn, right? Okay, but what if you had a Kyber Crystal the size of a sun? I'll, I will give you that one. If they were equal sizes, a, I don't know if it would. Um, it would create the galaxy size lightsaber? Possibly. Um, okay, sorry. Um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. I think it was really funny that they literally put a line in about Starkiller Base and the Death Star. Um, but then I wrote, they talk about Starkiller Base. Uh, they're charging up to fire and they're aiming at them. And I wrote, oh no. The rebel base is about to be destroyed by the Death Star. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one too. Um, okay, so now we're at the scene you were talking about, and I, I literally just wrote, it's really sweet. Han and Leia scene together feel the most authentic. So what do you have to say about Han and Leia here? Yeah, no, I just I really love that, that scene with Han and Leia, and I think it's very authentic, like you said. I mean, it's very real. And I think it's very true to their characters, though. And I think it it explains why they why we see them the way we see them in this film. But again, I, I think it it goes back to what I brought up originally of it kind of sucks that you have to wait until the second half of the film to really see these to get this. Yeah, and yeah, in in the film's defense, they're not really about Leia, Han, and Luke. The baton, no. the baton has been passed. It's about Ray, Finn, and Poe, but it—it's it, hard because we've grown to love these characters so much. That and the fact that it's Ray, Finn, and Poe are never in the same place. Right? They—they they never really share that group connection like Han, Leia, and Luke did. Right. I almost said Ray. It's okay. Um, which, you know, I think this film really could have benefited from seeing them more together. And that in the second one as well, because we see them more together in the third film, and it feels like they have this strong bond, but we never really get to see that bond build throughout the first two. At but least a as a group that, of the three. And I, Yeah, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that through this one film alone you've had feelings that it's a soft reboot, right? Imagine if these three new characters that we had never met before were together for this entire first film. It would Just feel, like A New Hope. It would, it would yeah. feel like a soft reboot. So I think that's Even why more, they made the yeah. decision, yeah, to do the things that they did the way they did it. Yeah, and again, it's not a like one-to-one -one remake. Um, it, this film does have its own individual voice. I just wish it had more of an individual voice. Yeah, I do too. Um, okay, I uh, this is kind of where my notes start 
dying down, uh, and I was more focused on just enjoying the ending of this film. Um, so I, I'm going to have a lot less to say for each scene, but I thought the landing scene, like landing at light speed was sick. It just looked really cool. And like, that's just a cool concept. They're landing at light speed. Well, I mean, they took out of a hangar at light speed, so. Right, right. They're, it does uh, fit the Han motif. It it really does. Yeah, no, um, I just like how whenever they're about to enter the base, you know, Finn's grand plan of, um, and it, it it really it'll bring me to a larger point of Finn's character with this whole scene here about how, you know, he, they go to the planet and Han tells Finn like, "All right, kid, what do we do now?" And right. Finn's just like. I don't know. I just came here to get Ray, and he's right. like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Solo, we'll we'll just use the Force." Right, right. Um, and then we get the iconic. That's not how the Force works. Line. Yeah, of course. But it it made me think deeper about Finn. And you know, we've said that like Finn is a foil for um, for Han. And I yeah. think this scene here proves it a lot. Um, I think Finn is Han, but Han, if he had never met Leia, but if he had met Leia, you know what I mean? Like Finn only I, cares about Rey. And I that's, do. yeah, he's acting exactly like Han, but it's like if Han had never met Leia, but if he had met Leia and he only right. cares about her. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, again, they were very clearly setting up a romance between the two. Uh, and I, I also uh, think it's really funny because uh, Chewie in that scene has the most experience with the Force. Not only did he spend all that time with Luke, but we see that he spent time with the Jedi pre-Jedi Purge. He was with Yoda when, the, when Order 66 took place. Yeah. Anyway, just a small note. I... I really love Chewie. He's an interesting character. Chewie's Chewie. Um, we love Chewie. My next note isn't until we see Phasma. Go ahead, because I didn't really have anything to say about the Phasma stuff. It was Phasma was so just is a little I disappointing. Wanna, it was. It was that. No, you make a very good point. I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad that you said it. Her whole character was disappointing for me, especially, right, especially whenever you look at the trilogy as a whole. And I can't remember the actress's name, but she is a fantastic actress. They could have done a lot more with her character. Yeah, um, she's from Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Wasn't yeah, that like the uh, big deal when everybody found out that she was in Star Wars because uh -huh. Game of Thrones was really big then? It was huge back – yeah. Um, and so I think they were, again, in the whole soft reboot nature, um, Phasma was supposed to represent Boba Fett – um, which we don't really see him much. I don't think we I even saw him at all in the original version of episode four. He was added in later, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah. and you know, uh, to defend this film, Boba Fett really didn't do much throughout the original trilogy either. Um, which I'm so glad we got the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and. The Clone Wars and the prequel trilogy because they've really expanded a lot on his character. But in just the original trilogy, he was just this cool-looking guy who 
stood around. Yeah, he was your the mysterious your cowboy. Yeah, your uh, every. He could be and anybody. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. He could be anybody. Um, and I don't have a problem with an everyman character. Um, as long as they kind of stay as a background character, and that's how I felt about Boba Fett. He was just kind of a, in the background, he appeared every once in a while. Phasma felt like she was supposed to be a lot more important to the trilogy, and she never really was. Um, but for this scene specifically, um, all, all we really, I, I wish we'd seen her at least fight a little bit. I think that could have been really cool. Um, but the only note I actually have is, her armor is Beskar, right? Or another really strong metal? Because we see blaster shots uh, blast off it. Yeah, I don't think it's Beskar. I think it's some type of something else. Like maybe blaster resistant, but maybe not necessarily lightsaber resistant. Yeah, we know there's blaster resistant materials out there, like Durasteel and stuff like that. Right, but which, in again, in defense of this film, a lot of people are like, well, if Phasma's armor can be that way why don't they make that it for all the stormtroopers but collecting that much material for an army of that size would be so expensive that whenever you have an army of great size what it what does it matter to protect them so that they can have longevity it's about numbers right right it doesn't matter if they lose a thousand troops in a fight like there's a thousand more, thousand more. to replace them yeah it's like the droid army i mean why why make the droid army with lightsaber resistant armor right whenever right. you could just make a thousand more battle droids in a day which i think um with uh with the ori not original the prequel trilogy it's so funny the size difference like between the droid army and the galactic republic's army there was a million clones or a little more than a million. It was what a million two hundred thousand that was mentioned in Attack of the Clones, plus however many thousand Jedi there were against just millions upon millions of battle droids, and it was a pretty even fight, which I think shows just how talented the Jedi and the clones were. Right. I mean, it. it that's why the Jedi were made generals. Right. Right. Uh, but back to this film, um, I just. I, I hate that she kind of just gave up, uh, but I did I did love the is there a garbage shoot line. I find that funny every time. See, I find it cringe. I'll give you that. I can see how you, I could definitely see how you could see it was cringe. Um, that line felt like fan service to me. It, it was 100% fan service. And you know what? Sometimes fan service is horrible. Sometimes it works out. Um, like well, we, no, like... It's like it's like you take a bunch of scenes from Mandalorian or now Book of Boba Fett and you can say that's fan service. Okay, it's fan service, but it was done in like such a delicate way. Right, it was handled right. It was handled with respect and it was more than just a mention or a callback. And just like such a blaringly like obvious callback like if they would have just thrown, like, it would if it would have cut to a scene of her being thrown down a garbage compactor, I would have been like, okay, that's funny. Yeah. But the fact they just, just say the line. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I, I still thought it was funny, but I, I definitely can see how you can view it that way. Um, my next note isn't until Ray and Finn find each other. Yeah, that's fine. Keep going. 
Uh, I think it's really funny because she very clearly almost killed Finn. If you watch closely, she points when she does, uh, like she gets scared. She points her blaster directly at his face. Well, yeah, she's running around the the. I almost said the Death Star. Star. She's running around Star Killer Base. It's it's a bigger Death Star. I mean, it's it's okay. Um, but no, I I completely agree. I just thought it was funny. Finn was Finn was inches away from death. Um. Like, I, I don't know. I, that's all I really wanted to point out. And then um, they're hugging for a long time, and I wrote, oh, look, Finn and Ray have feelings for each other. Because they're just, they're holding on to each other, and we get the Han, Hans line saying, uh, escape now, hug later, something like that. Yeah, but I mean, yes, you can say it's, like, for a romantic purpose, but I mean... I think about like whenever I haven't seen my friends for a long time, like you included, like whenever I got to see you at my wedding, like I gave you a big old hug and everything because I had missed you because I hadn't seen you in so long. We did. And I, I completely agree. But we hugged. We didn't linger. And I think that's where my point is. They they just kind of kept holding on. Mm. And I've got nothing against that. I just like I said, I'm going to point this out multiple times as they were at least trying to make the audience think, even if it was for misdirection, that they were going to have feelings for each other. You mean almost like Luke and Leia? Almost like Luke and Leia. Hmm. And uh, Ray was Ray was a Luke stand-in, and uh, Finn was our Leia stand-in. Or no, Poe was our Leia stand-in. It switches. It does rotate. Um, no, my next thing was... Um... They've like snuck in and stuff, and it was after all that with Phasma, and they're they're on the elevator and they're about to head to the oscillator, uh huh, and uh, it's just for a second, but Chewie picks up Han's coat from the elevator and gives it back to Han because That's they're going so back into the elements. That's because so whenever cute. I didn't you see. That. Yeah, whenever you see Han and Chewie and Finn break into the that part of the base that they're in to go find Rey, yeah. Han takes off his jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never noticed that, but that's really sweet. We love Chewie. We stand Chewie. Good for yeah, him. And as they're, yeah, as they're going back out to the oscillator, yeah. Chewie makes sure that he picks up Han's coat and gives it to him. Because the next scene that we see them in, they're outside. Regardless, regardless of the life debt, Chewie loves Han. They are brothers. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay, so this is something I I realized why I was watching this film. Um, we get the X wings coming in. They start uh, bombing uh, that area to destroy the Star Killer base, and they're fighting and they're losing. And one of the characters mentions half our fleet is destroyed. Do you have anything before that? Um... I'm not sure, because my next okay. note is about a jacket again. Gotcha. Um, so I'll I will I'll go on this because I th I don't necessarily think it's like too important for specifically this scene, but um, so I wrote again too close to the rebellion and why just to reinstate like why I really my biggest issue with this film and this trilogy is it feels like a soft reboot, but I was thinking about it and I was like. If they had gone the route where it was the Empire versus the New Republic as a whole and not just the Resistance, it would have really felt – they could have easily made it feel like a soft reboot of the prequel trilogy instead having this 
like large galactic civil war of two major factions instead of one major faction and a small rebellion. Um, so that also was something they a problem they could have run into as well because we talked about it earlier uh, in our last episode. How would we introduce Ray in a way that didn't feel like a knockoff of something we'd seen in the prequels or the Clone Wars or like there's so much content. How do you tell an original story? Right. Um, so I really, I really think this film would have benefited from just completely, like the First Order shouldn't have been the main villains. It's, it's it was just too close to the Empire. Mm. Anyway, uh, I don't really have anything until the Han and Ben scene. Okay, so right before that, while uh, like Finn and Ray are making their way into the oscillator, while Han and Chewie are, um. I noticed that Ray is wearing the Poe jacket. Finn gave her the jacket while they were outside. They're in love. I'm calling Because, it. you know, she's from Jakku, which is a desert planet. Now they're on this really cold area of the planet, so... I never thought about that, and I Finn never gave her the jacket. Mm-hmm. Good for Good for Finn. Um, what a distinguished gentleman. What a distinguished gentleman. And, like... Obviously, it would be a, the gentleman thing to do regardless, but you make a really good point. Ray has probably never been in an environment that was nearly even close to that cold. It was a, probably a huge shock to her. Well, I don't know. Whenever you think of like deserts, like people always accentuate the hot, but they Actually, also get extremely cold at night. You're right. You, you're completely right. I hadn't thought about that either. But, but probably not we, experienced that type of cold. Right, I don't, I don't know, because you're, you're completely right. They do get very cold. I don't know. We'll just, uh, I'm sure there'll be a comic specifically about how Ray feels about the cold at some point. Yeah. No, I just thought it was sweet. Uh, yeah, okay. The, the Ben and Kylo scene is, you know, like we've stated before, you and I watched this movie together for the first time. Did you think yeah. Kylo was going to kill Han? I did. I don't know. I. Uh, when I first watched it, I really, really wanted Han to bring Ben back. You see, um, that's the thing. Whenever you and I watched it together in the theater for the first time, I knew Han was going to die right there. I, like, as much as I wanted Han to bring Ben back, I, I felt like he was going to die. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times. Harrison Ford wanted Han Solo to die. He felt like that's how his character arc should have ended. Yeah, um... No, I remember, like, I remember the exact feeling I had, and it's indescribable, but I remember sitting there with you and a couple of our friends, and I was like, this is it, like, I'm never gonna see Harrison Ford as Han Solo again, like, he's about to, he's about to die. Yeah, I, I had a similar feeling, um, really, the, I've got a note towards the end, um, but... Beside for the rest of the scene, um, I've got a I mean, note about the lighting. So yeah, yeah, okay. Because I was gonna say visually, the scene is impeccable. It is a masterpiece. Uh, do you want to talk about the lighting, or do you, should I? Uh, go ahead. I just want to say that, like, I think out of the entire movie, this scene is probably my favorite visually. Visually, I, this is probably my favorite scene. I think it was the best put together scene. If I had to show somebody one scene. From this movie, it would be this scene. I I agree. The lighting was a masterpiece. The lighting told a 
told its own story within the story we were being shown. Um, and we are not the first people to point this out, and we won't be the last people to point this out. But when they first find each other, uh, Kylo Ren's face is completely covered in red lighting. As Ben, or not as Ben, as Han Solo gets closer, uh, blue light appears to appear. Uh, begins to appear on Kylo Ren's face slowly at first, but as Han gets closer and they get to the point where they're actually talking to each other and they're right next to each other, Kylo Ren's face is lit, almost split down the middle. One half is red, one half is blue, and it's visually showing his struggle between the light side and the dark side of the Force. And it stays like that as they're talking right until the very end, right before he decides to kill his father his face goes completely red again well that's when the the sun gets completely absorbed too i just wanted to point that out continue i just wanted to point that small detail out and then his light uh and i really love i really love this detail because the light it turns completely red before he ignites his lightsaber uh and you can see he has chosen the dark side and he ignites his lightsaber and han dies and as he's dying, Han reaches out and grabs his son's face, but he specifically grabs the side that was lit red when it was split between the red and the blue. Uh, and I, I just, I love this scene. It is just visually done amazing. The acting is good. The writing was good. The lighting, as we said, tells its own little story within it uh, and shows Kylo's struggle. It is a masterpiece. Yeah, I would say that um, if they could somehow, if they would have made the entire film be as strong as, as go- this scene right here, I don't think anybody would have a problem with the sequel trilogy. I, I completely agree. I almost said disagree, but I completely agree. Um, this scene is one of the best scenes in Star Wars as a whole. Maybe not my favorite, but it is amazing it is really powerful it's really well done and i i completely agree i mean if i were to just show someone a scene from this film it would be this one unless i was trying to keep you know unless they didn't know that han died maybe but it's been so long well i mean even then if you didn't want him to know that han died you could stop it before that happened and you would still get your point across very well with this thing Yep, actually, you're completely right. Um, so uh, I've just got two small things. Um, my dad, when this first happened, I remember him very specifically telling me before we got episode eight, I really hope Luke was at the bottom to catch Han and bring him back. Like, Han's death really hurt my dad. Like, don't get me wrong, it hurt all of us, but he was just desperately hoping some way Han survived. I mean, I don't want to sound like I wasn't sad that Han died, but, like, we we talked about it in our in our Jedi episode. Yeah. I would have been fine with Han dying in Return of the Jedi, and I thought it would have made his I, character a lot more impactful. I, I completely agree. It, um, as, I mean, depending on how he died, they, they definitely could have gone a route that like, didn't make sense, like, ah, oh, he died of the cold or something, but, like, I think he should have died sacrificing himself to save either Leia or Luke or the Rebellion as a whole. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, 
think the same thing, and we we talked about it in our Jedi episode. Um, okay, as we go on to discuss the rest of this film, I've only got like half a page of notes left, but we need to remember that Chewie shot Ben or Kylo Ren right in the gut. He yeah, fr- that was my next note was Chewie shot. He, could, he definitely had a kill shot on Ben if he wanted it. We know that Chewie is a good shot, for a fact. We yeah. know that the bowcaster definitely doesn't have any type of siding problems. Right. It was. I think he was angry and he was wanting to hurt uh, Kylo Ren, but I don't think he... I, you're right, he could have killed him if he wanted. Right. I mean, obviously Kylo and Kylo grew up around Chewie. Right. Kylo's essentially Chewie's nephew. Yeah, so I mean, that's such a like, that's a hard place to be. Like this man that you spent your, not your whole life, but a large portion of his life. Yeah, and And then he dies. I like to you know relate it back to my own life. I've got three sisters, and they all have kids. I don't know how I would handle it if I watched one of my nephews or my niece kill one of my sisters. Like that. I, I just can't even, like, conceptualize how painful and how hard of a thing that would be to go through. Right, because you love both of them. Right, right. Yeah, Chewie loves Kylo Ren. He loves Ben. But not only did he have a life debt to Han Solo, but that was his brother. Yeah, his best friend. Um. So, yes, we just got to remember that um, this his blaster was shown to one-shot stormtroopers, and Kylo Ren is still kicking, though, taking a shot directly to the gut. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I don't think I've got anything until they meet in the forest. Yeah, go ahead. That's my next part, too. Cool. Um. So we've established that he's injured. We visually see him, like, limping. He's hurt. He's not moving as fast. How, how did he get in front of ray and finn maybe he knows the planet better okay you know what that's a really good point he probably he probably did know the planet better knew the best route and maybe the force helped him out plot armor plot armor um so uh we see uh ray getting pushed into a tree really hard glad she's not dead uh, the way she hit her head, I was sure she died. I mean, yeah, I, she hit I, her back first. She'd be paralyzed she, before she was dead. Okay, good point. Um, but Finn is clearly affected. Finn has f- feelings for Ray. Like I said, I'm gonna mention this multiple times throughout the film. Um, but we get the Finn and Kylo Ren fight. How did you feel about this one? So watching it this time, um. I thought Poe's stance whenever he took the lightsaber and ignited it was really interesting. It was really it, cool, that, yeah. Well, no, it's Qui-Gon's stance. Yeah, yeah. That's how Qui-Gon holds a lightsaber. And that's one thing I was really sad about is that... Because that was part of the trailer, too, that shot. Right, right. Of Finn in the Force with the lightsaber. Because um, everybody thought that Finn was the Jedi. Whenever the the first trailer initially dropped, like everybody thought that we were gonna have another black Jedi besides Mace Windu, and that he right. looked really cool, and that he had um, a lightsaber that looked a lot like Anakin's. Yeah, 
I really wanted Finn to be a Jedi. And we know through the Lego uh, Star Wars special that came out last year that uh, he does end up training with Rey to become a Jedi. But I wanted to see that in the trilogy, not an extended content. Yeah, so I'm canon, gonna say, I'm gonna canon say that adjacent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the fight. And then something I never thought about uh, is... Finn actually does get a slash on Kylo Ren's shoulder, um, yeah. hindering his movement more. Yeah, but it, if you look at the fight, too, you can tell that Kylo is not... He's really struggling, yeah. Struggling, too, but he's not fighting to, like... He definitely takes it easy on, on Finn. Right, right. I, I think a large part of that is he wants to capture Rey. I don't know. Uh, it's just I, I you I was just like man you can tell that this guy is not fighting, even though he's hurt he's definitely still playing, with with Finn. Right, right. And so a large complaint I've seen a lot of people say is, uh, do you have anything else before? Sorry, before uh, Ray gets the lightsaber and joins the fight. Nope. Go ahead. Okay. One, I think it's really cool that she uh, gets the lightsaber, pulls it with the force, um, but. I've heard a lot of people complain about this and say, like, oh, how how does Rey beat Kylo Ren? But, one, he was emotionally unstable after killing his father. There's no way he was in a good place mentally. Uh, he'd been shot by a gun that was shown to one-shot stormtroopers. His movement was visually impaired. His shoulder, as we just mentioned, was Did you slashed. say his movement was visually impaired? Vi sorry visibly impaired we could see that he was struggling to move that's what i meant thank you for calling me out um because I i'd like to be clear on what i'm saying um, no i just like to mess with you i knew exactly what you were saying but i just wanted to mess with you that you know that's 100 percent okay and then lastly ray has been fighting mostly her entire life yeah maybe not with a lightsaber but she she had to protect herself on jakku well, I mean, um, you you see that with the staff too. Whenever right, she defends yeah. herself from Uncar Plutz, uh minions, goon, yeah. Um, I, I think it is very reasonable that Ray beat Kylo Ren here. He was not at his best performance wise, and there's a lot of reasons why. And Ray's getting help from the Force. Yeah, which yeah. you wouldn't be able to tell in the theater, but watching it at home. And if you have a good surround system, you can definitely tell. I don't, but um, I watch everything loud and with subtitles because I'm deaf. Um, you hear, like, whispers of forced voices while they're fighting in the forest. Right, right. And I think one of the novels touches on this as well. Um, and then, I think, is this the moment where people talk about her using the dark side force scream? I can't remember if it's this fight, but I believe it is. I don't know. Um, my you've surpassed my notes. Cool. I I still have a few things. Um, no, mine was just the saber in the snow. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go go ahead. No, just the saber in the snow. It looks a lot like Empire. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's a really cool scene. Um, it, so, it was enough of a callback without it being over the top. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I really liked that uh, Kylo Ren realized it wasn't coming for him 
So he stopped trying to grab it with the force and moved out of the way instead of getting hit in the head. Because they co totally could have done a cringy like, oh, he's trying to get it, I bonks him on the head. Wait, are you referring to another film right now? Maybe. <laughs> I think you Maybe are. I am. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but but no, no it, so it just kind of it kind of goes back. I only wrote that down because I made the comment about the trash compactor scene, right? And like, see, like yeah. this was a a good like that was a good visual throwback for me. Is like, oh, this is obviously a callback to Empire, right? And I think I think the big thing is, um, you prefer visual throwbacks compared to like um scripted written callbacks i mean i guess you're right because i did bring up the training remote in the first half right so right I and th there's right. nothing there's nothing wrong with that i i think visual callbacks are awesome and i think uh like audio callbacks can work if they're done right but visual callbacks typically just work because they're not something that's like thrown in our face right with the with the audio callbacks like you said like they have to be so they have to be subtle, but also, like, you have to make it, like, a point that, like, oh, hey, remember when this happened in this one right. time? Like, this is for you guys. So, like, I think the um, Leia's line earlier where she says, don't don't mention the Death Star when talking about how, like, times that Han has uh, came in to save the day. That's a good audio callback because it's funny. It's something we clearly know. They're messing around. But it around. wasn't, like, yeah, it wasn't cringy, though. Yeah, yeah. So they can work, but I feel like overall visual callbacks just they most of the time they just work. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I have a question for you to get like okay. back onto the the track of this yes. film. Why do you think Kylo said that, that lightsaber belongs to him? Because that was Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber, not Darth Vader's. Right. And again, as I've been mentioning, the legacy of Anakin Skywalker versus Darth Vader. This could have been a beautiful theme this trilogy could have had. Well, um, now I want to know what he actually said. Because did he say that? What did he say? Okay, <sighs> so he's he's talking to Finn at this moment. This is right before they start fighting. And I'm pretty sure he says that lightsaber belongs to me. Something. Does he say lightsaber? Because even within the Star Wars universe... What they call lightsabers changes because, I mean, in episode one, The Phantom Menace, Anakin calls it a laser sword. Okay, so I do think most of the, most of the things that I've heard, they do refer to it as a lightsaber. In Anakin's defense, he was a kid, a slave child on Tatooine who didn't have a lot of experience with the Jedi. So I think it makes sense he'd call it a laser sword. And I think any other times that they've referred to it as a laser sword, it was people people in-universe their own ignorance and not having a full understanding of the Jedi and the Sith. Um, and so I think the laser sword uh, reference can work under that like umbrella, but generally it was referred to as a lightsaber. I can't lie to you, I'm looking up the scene right now. That's totally okay. Um, while you're looking that up, I just want to talk about the dark side scream for a moment because I'm I'm pretty sure it's this scene. Um, right after she sees, I think that Finn was hurt, maybe. Um, so we see the dark side scream 
with Palpatine for sure when he the Jedi uh, Mace Windu and the other masters come to arrest him. Uh, and then there's a theory that Luke uses the dark side scream uh, after uh, Darth Vader mentions that he's going to go after Leia. And then we see Rey potentially using the dark side scream here uh, as she's fighting uh, Kylo Ren to help her in the fight. As you mentioned, she was using the Force. And so I don't, it's, I don't think it's been confirmed anywhere, but I do think it's an interesting theory and an interesting point to make, or something to point out right here. Uh, did you find the line? I did. He says lightsaber. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I think in Kylo Ren's mind, he doesn't differentiate Darth Vader and Anakin like we do. I think to Kylo Ren, Anakin was Darth Vader. Well, I mean, as much good as that lightsaber did, it also did a lot of bad. It also did a lot of bad. A lot of younglings were killed. Uh, Tusken Raiders, too. Tusken Raiders. A frick ton of droids. Which, are they sentient? No, they're not. <laughs> I'm going to bring that up until the... I'm going to bring that up every podcast until this podcast ends. Just... Like, you have to bring up the Clone Wars every time. It's just a staple of this podcast now. I haven't brought up Clone Wars one time this episode. Or, I have brought up Clone Wars, but I haven't made a Clone Wars reference. Okay. Uh, Alright, I'll give you that one. You got, like, I don't know, five or six more notes to get it in there. I know, and I don't know how I will, but I, I'll find out somehow. Um. Okay, I don't have anything until the Hux and Snoke scene. I think I'm good? I don't know. My next note is... Had a, a mini trench run note. Is that before then or after then? Yeah, your, yours is before. Okay, yeah. How did you feel about that mini trench run scene that was an obvious mini trench run scene? Okay, I literally, I, I'm not going to lie. Going into this film, I was like, you know, even though it's a whole, like, destroying uh, planet-killing weapon scene, at least it feels pretty unique from... Um, episode four and then it got to the trench run scene which i'd completely forgotten about and i literally out loud was like ah yeah it is pretty like blaringly obvious like it's a combination of the first death star and second death star trench yeah. run scene but it, it it's still the trench run right right um i don't know i thought it looked visually cool but you know, as I've, I'm sorry I keep saying this, but in the whole like soft reboot nature of this film, uh, you had to get the trench run scene in there. Yeah, that was that was definitely one thing that I had a hard time with as well. Listen, the last thing I want to do is ruin your enjoyment of this film. You're not and ruining if, it. I'm not a huge fan of the Force Awakens. I'm this, not or the trilogy at all. Like if it ever feels like. I'm swaying you to the dislike anything that you liked before. Please tell me because that is no, not my intention. I'm not a really the last Jedi is the only film that I really like out of this trilogy. You know, and I think I think it's funny because The Force Awakens is the only film I out of the trilogy that I really like. We got to get someone on that loves the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, maybe then we'll like it'll be like the Power Rangers will finally complete and form the Megazord. Yeah, between the three of us, we will have loved the sequel trilogy. There we go. Which, I've, I'm sorry, I know I've been dogging on The Force Awakens, but it really is my favorite, and I really do enjoy watching this film. 
Um, well, then I can't wait. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I can't wait to get to The Last Jedi because apparently you hate The Last Jedi and you I don't think you've said very many positive things about The Force Awakens. So <laughs> this next episode is going to be very interesting. Okay, so in terms of The Last Jedi, I think I lied last time. I think I saw it twice in theaters. Uh, I first We went and saw it together uh, for the first time, you and I. Uh, but I think I went and saw it with my family at one point as well. But, man, I've tried – I really – I've tried watching The Last Jedi a couple times since it's come out, and I, I just can't make it past the first scene. I, I turn it off. Um, wow. So it it is my least favorite Star Wars film out of all of them, and I'm excited for our discussion. I'm not excited to watch it. Huh. Uh, I'm so sorry, my friend. Okay, back to this film, though. Uh, so Hux runs to Snoke, and he explains the situation. The planet's being destroyed. They lost. And um, Snoke says, uh, go get – leave the planet. Go get Kylo Ren. It's time for me to complete his training. Mm-hmm. And do we ever really see much from that? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know. It was an interesting line, but I feel like it. Does, they never really went anywhere with it. No, they they really didn't. Um, and then as it's, do you have anything as the planet's blowing up? Just the um, and I never thought about it until now. Is the uh, what's the word? Kind of like trademark. I don't know. Um. Kind of like the word required and trademarked. I don't know. Like traditional. I don't know how those two words came. The traditional Skywalker face scar. Because this is where Kylo Ren gets his. Gets it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I completely forgot. I completely skipped that. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That's just. I was just like, wow. Kylo has a face scar. Just like the other two. I mean, Anakin has one. And then Luke has his face scar in Empire from the Wampa. Right. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta get it in there somewhere. Everybody has to have a face scar in the Skywalkers. Wonder if he'll lose his hand in the next one. Maybe. Um. Okay. So, uh, the planet is blowing up. Did they? So they basically were about to fire. It literally came down to the last second, and then the planet explodes. And did they make a new sun? Because that's kind of what it looks okay, like. Okay, that's so funny that you say that because I thought the exact same thing. And I also wanted to say, okay, even though the Death Star was smaller, it exploding was way cooler than Star Killer Base. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of that goes to the size. The Death Star was a moon size, and it just and it was a machine. It was just a machine, and so it blew up. Star Killer Base was a it was an actual planet that they built into. So I think I think for me it worked. I, I'm glad it didn't explode all at once. Like, you clearly saw the planet falling apart. Well, it imploded instead of exploding. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, good point. Which I get no. is just another way to set it apart from the Death Star. Right, of course. It's not the Death Star. It imploded instead, and it created a new sun, which I thought visu- visually was really cool. Probably threw off that entire solar system's gravitational pull, but... They got their sun back. Nice. Well, it's only like way bigger than what it right. was. Right. Um. Okay. So I don't have anything to what I text you about last night. Do you have anything before then? 
Just the fact that Chewie is always reliable. Chewie's always reliable. Are you talking about when he uh, he comes to save them? Yeah, he pulls up in the Falcon, and then he gets out to grab uh, Finn and carry him yeah. back. We can always count on Chewie. I'm so glad that uh, Chewie didn't die at the end. Yeah. That's the me one. I, that that one would have really hurt. Now you can talk about the thing you texted me about last <laughs> night because I have a new thing to say about that. Okay. Because I think so, you're wrong. I I'm excited to see your point. So I text. I finished watching this film at one thirty my time, which is two thirty house dogs time. Uh, I'm sorry, I texted you so late. Um, I was asleep. At, it was fine. So they land. Uh, Chewie helps Han or not Han. Chewie helps. Finn uh, get onto the, I don't know, carry thing to take him to get healed. Um, I know I described that horribly, but somebody says he's got a pulse, he's alive, and then they start walking. He got medevaced. Medevac, thank you. Um, and Chewie and Leia walk right past each other after Han dies, and Leia walks and hugs Rey. And I, this, I'm sorry, this makes me so angry this makes me so mad so in my notes i literally wrote in all caps why does leia hug ray first they never met chewy was right there this is bs please jj what were you doing eat my shorts that was my note it, i don't know it just like i'm i'm completely fine with her and ray hugging they both had a connection to han but the fact that she just completely walked by chewy and vice versa it, it makes no sense to me but please, I, I really want to hear what you have to say, because maybe maybe you can shed some new light on this scene. Okay, so immediately after that scene, we see BB-8 waking up, trying to wake up R2-D2 again, right? Okay, all right. But right before he rolls into R2-D2 and R2-D2 wakes up, Chewie's by himself. You and you see him. Son of a gun. You, you see son him, of a gun. He has like his hand in his face, and he's obviously very distraught. So, after you texted me that last night, I thought about that whenever I was watching it today, and I was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna try to make a counterpoint to his argument. He's allowed to feel how he feels." And then I thought, "No, he's wrong." Um, <laughs> so, we've already established that Chewie owed Han a life debt, right? That's why Chewie was always with Han. But also yes, because they yes. were they were best friends. Right. So how would you feel if you were you owed a life debt to me and then I died and you had to go back and tell my wife that you failed, that you failed protecting me as you have done for the past thirty years. But you failed. Okay, I will I will give you I will give you that. That in terms of Chewy, that makes perfect sense that does make me feel a little better but i because you see no you see all of the um resistance fighters like celebrating that right the thing has been destroyed or whatever and chewie just walked past leia okay i get why that would be upsetting but in that next scene he's by himself he's not celebrating the fact that they won Right. No, and that that does actually make me feel a lot better in terms of Chewie walking by Leia. But Leia doesn't even make an attempt to try and go talk to Chewie. And, like, she just completely passes him up and goes and hugs Rey. And so I think 
what they could have done was just shown visually, like even just in the background, uh, Leia at least trying to go up to Chewie, seeing that he clearly was distraught, and walking away realizing like, hey, he needs some time alone. But she just, she completely walks by him, and like... Okay, but what if, in that moment, whenever Han died, and Leia feels it in the Force... What if it wasn't the fact that Han died? It was Rey yelling no. And calling out to Leia. And calling out to Leia in the Force. I I'm I am completely fine with that. I'm I completely get Leia and Rey, even though they never met, both having an understanding that we both really cared about Han and we were both in pain. Let's hug. No problem with that. That makes perfect sense. It's just the fact that Leia walked right by Chewie. And Chewie, you, your thing about Chewie completely changed my view on that scene. And I do think it was a really good point, but I still, I'm still just caught up on Leia. Like, let's... Yeah. I tried to explain it away as best as I could, but no, I, I, I see your point. No, and like, it, it completely... Like, your analogy was really good. Like, if you and I had been in a similar situation... And you died, and there was nothing I could have done to save you. I couldn't even bring your your body back home. I don't know if I could face your wife. I really don't. At least at first. Um, but on the other hand, you know, your wife is awesome. She's really great. But I've had one, two interactions with her, really. Yeah. Chewie and, Chewie and Leia have spent years together. Yeah, that's true. Anyway... I, I do I really do appreciate what you said because like it that's why I said you son of a gun because it really did change my perspective on that scene a lot. Yeah, because I mean that'd be that'd be hard, man. This person yeah. that you were supposed to protect, like that was your job essentially was to protect them, and you failed. And you failed. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um. Okay. Let me go back to my notes. I was seeing if we had any listener questions. Um, I've got just a couple more notes. Go and ahead, because I don't have anything until uh, the very end. Okay, cool. Uh, I wrote, oh, look, R2's alive. Um, so I wanted to bring up, BB-8 had the last piece of the map that showed where um, Luke was. Uh-huh. They have a map of the galaxy... They have multiple maps of the galaxy. It's been established throughout different pieces of Star Wars content. Why did they need R2-D2's section of the map if if they had the last piece with BB-8? What, what do you think on that? The only way that I could try to explain that part, that part away is the fact that R2-D2 was still traveling around with Luke while he was going on those original adventures, and we get that answer in Mandalorian. Right, right. So he would still have all of his databanks filled up of where Luke was going while he was looking for the first Jedi Temple. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. That is the only way that I could explain that, and raise Force vision that we see of Luke losing his temple. Right, when uh, Palpatine used his lightning to set it on fire. Yeah, I guess so. So um, that is the only way that I could explain that one away, my friend. Yeah, no, and I just, it's something that, like, I had this thought when I first saw it, but it's something I've been thinking about, and it's something I think about every time I watch it, is like, BB-8 had the last 
piece where Luke actually was. Like, couldn't they? I know it was easier having it just put into place where R2-D2's map was, but couldn't they have just brought up a map of the galaxy? And it would have took time and work, but tried to figure out where it was. I, well, didn't it you also easy, bring it up in the last episode that the galaxy is so big? It is. It is. I forget what we were talking about, but you mentioned that the galaxy was so... So, oh, we were talking about Luke being a myth, and right, you said, right. "Well, think about how big the galaxy, re- the Star Wars galaxy, really is." Yeah, yeah. Um, but BB-8 so there we go. Has... You answered your own question. You defeated yourself. BB-8 has like a fifth of the map, though. Not even like, a fifth. I'd say the like a twentieth. I'll meet you at like a like a and 13th, even then, like even then, the is middle. that even the full galaxy or is that just like part of the system that Luke was in? I th- I'm pretty sure it was a full galaxy map, but you might be right. I'll have to go back and check it out. Um, anyway, that was just a little detail, and then um, I had oh look, Ray kisses Finn's head. Uh, bet there'll be a couple. By the end, sure hope Finn doesn't get a new love interest every film. Wow. Uh, and then I don't have anything till the very end. I'll go ahead, because my last <laughs> note's about the very end. Okay, cool. Um, so I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that uh, in J.J. Abrams' original draft of the film, that Ray was going to walk up and see Luke Skywalker floating like we see Ray do in the... Um, the ninth film where using the force to float and there's rocks flying around um but that ryan johnson after seeing this specifically requested that jj abram change the end of the film uh and that way it would make more sense where ryan johnson was taking it with luke uh disconnecting himself to the force um and again uh that could just be a rumor it could just be something someone made up but i thought it was if it is true i think it's really interesting Again, just looking at the different directions these directors wanted to take the films. It's okay, because I think I have a point that's going to change everything about your opinion. So keep going with okay, whatever cool. you have to say, and then I'll no. destroy your world. No, that that was my last note, just that I heard a rumor that Ryan Johnson specifically requested that J.J. Abrams change just that very last scene. Okay, so... With, yeah. If we say that that rumor isn't true or if it is true, let's just put that aside. Let's say that yep. last scene is exactly how J.J. Abrams wanted it to go. Gotcha. This is where I'm going to start changing your opinion about what happened to Luke Skywalker in the sequel films. Okay, let's go. I'm excited. Okay, so if you look at Luke in this scene, I think you can tell by his face that he is not happy to see that that lightsaber has found its way back to him. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I think regardless of the direction they took him, that would be an emotional thing for Luke to see. Yeah, but no, I think you can... I think that this one scene and the look on his face completely justifies who we see Luke as in this next film. No, I I agree, and that's why I brought up the whole um, rumor that uh, Ryan Johnson had potentially asked J.J. to change the end, because obviously if they'd kept this original ending where Luke was floating, it would make absolutely no sense for Luke and the direction Ryan Johnson took where he had disconnected himself from the Force. I think if Luke even was still connected to the Force, 
I think you can be connected to the Force and not have an interest to save the galaxy. No, I I completely agree. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's a really good point. I uh, I never really thought about his face, but you're right; he does not look pleased. And I think that's why there's a long, awkward silence pause. Yeah. But man, that's the second half. That's the second half. We We somehow got there through... I think we had more tangents this episode than we ever have before. I'm really sorry. I think a lot of it is because... uh, We mentioned this before we started talking, uh, or before we started recording. When we started this podcast, I did not listen to podcasts at all. And now I listen to podcasts all the time. I, it's like the primary thing I listen to. Uh, so I, I have a lot more context on what a podcast should like sound like. But on top of that, I'm also a lot more comfortable recording a podcast. And in such, I'm going on a lot more tangents and writing a lot more notes than I would have before. So um, that's my bad. Sorry, bestie. I'm glad to have you. If Thank I was if I, I wasn't it. under the weather, I probably would have been a lot more fun this episode. Hey, you know, it is completely okay. You're not feeling well, and uh I uh hope you feel better soon. Um You know what? So Regardless I... of how I feel for Last Jedi, I will be way more energetic. We uh we have a lot to talk about. It's going to be a good one. I'm expecting I'm expecting the last Jedi maybe to be our longest set of episodes. That would mean that it would be above episode three. You know what? I hate to say it. Looking at our last episode and how long this recording is, we have officially surpassed episode three in this one alone. And I feel like the last Jedi is the one where we're we're both going to have the most to say. I think it'll be our most divisive episode yet. I think so. And I, I think so. And what's important to remember is that no matter how how Stog and I view The Last Jedi, no matter what we disagree on, we're still best friends. And at the end of the day, we're gonna be best friends, no matter how much we disagree on on this film. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'm I have been looking forward to this episode more than probably I ever have for an episode. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it too. And I know mentioned I I know earlier I mentioned that I was not excited for watching The Last Jedi. I meant that mostly as a joke. I actually am excited to watch it again. I think it's going to be good for me going at it with some new context and going at it with uh, proper expectations. Like I mentioned in the first part, I think my own expectations are what ruined a lot of my enjoyment from this trilogy. And that, again, is a problem with me, not a problem with the trilogy. Well, we've talked about that before, too, of writing our own Star Wars in our own heads. Right, right. And I think a lot of fans do that. We all have a view of how we want Star Wars to go. And no matter what Disney did with this trilogy, somebody was going to be upset. Somebody wasn't going to like it. Well, at the end of the day, all of us feel like Uncar Plutt and think that Star Wars belongs to us and us alone and we're just a fat guy in the desert screaming that's mine yeah you're completely right and um you know Star Wars is made Star Wars at the end of the day really is made for kids it adults can enjoy it it doesn't mean it's bad content but 
each Star Wars is for a different generation. The original Star Wars was for our parents. The prequels we grew up, that was our generation. And now there's a new generation going into the sequel trilogy. And I'm really excited here in a few years when they're old enough to start making content and making like podcasts, YouTube videos, so on and so forth, like what they have to say about this trilogy. Um, I think they're going to have some really interesting takes. Yeah, no, and I think that you bring up that fact that it's for every generation is every time I watch a new iteration of Star Wars, no matter what it is, and I think a lot of it comes from um, from the anime series, from Visions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is I really, whenever I watched that, I was like, wow, um, no matter what kind of medium Star Wars is presented in to me, presented in to me um i'm gonna love it because i sat there and i watched that series i binged that series all in one night because it said star wars on it and it felt like star wars and it may not have looked like the star wars that i have always known whether it's the cartoons and the movies it still felt like it and i was like right i was i was that little boy in the theater with my dad watching episode three all over again yeah yeah, and um, that's one thing I love about the series is since it's gone on for so long, we can. I know people talk about it not being able to like, not necessarily Star Wars, but like, nostalgic things, remakes, not being able to capture that star or that feel of the originals. But that's something I love about Star Wars is, it feels like one consistent series. Mostly there's some, uh, bumps here and there, but. Star Wars, no matter what medium it is, like House Dog said, feels like Star Wars. Yeah, I think, I think that's our ending there, my friend. I think that's our ending. Um, we don't have any listener questions this week, but if you want to send one in, you can email us at animalsquadron at gmail dot com. Again, that is animalsquadron at gmail dot com. We'd love to answer your questions. We'd love to have a discussion with you guys. We're on Apple Podcasts now, so if you guys want to leave us a review, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And uh, I think that's all for the Animal Squadron. This has been Mother Goose. And House Dog. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.